Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you uh, to worship the Lord, and I have been blessed already uh, with the worship, with the Christ-centeredness of the worship that we've had already here today, and we want to continue that theme as we move into the Word today. But I do want to express appreciation for your pastor. Uh, He has been a good friend to me as well, and I've enjoyed getting to know him a little bit before he moved to Northbrook and then uh, since he's been here uh, over time. We visited a few times in service since he has arrived as your pastor, but we also get together for coffee and just uh, opportunities to visit and talk and to let the iron sharpen the iron a little bit uh, over time. So we appreciate him and Terry and their family, and so we are thankful to be able to assist him by being here today while they take some time off. Also good to renew acquaintance with some of you and to also make new acquaintances as we move along uh, in our journey in the Lord. One of the greatest things about being involved in kingdom work is that we get to meet brothers and sisters all over the place who are connected to our Lord and in such a way that make it like family wherever you go. And so we are thankful, we appreciate so much the opportunity uh, just to get to uh, be here with you and enjoy fellowship and worship with you today. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to point us toward a passage of Scripture that I think will be familiar to you in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be looking today at the first four verses of this chapter. The book of Hebrews is set in the context of some difficult and challenging days. In fact, the Hebrew Christians were called upon to keep the faith and remain faithful in some of the most difficult circumstances that you might experience. There was the persecution of the early church from without. There were those who were uh, uh, facing all kinds of difficulty because of the anti-Christian spirit uh, in which they found themselves in the world of that day. They also found themselves in pressure from the religious world. In fact, from the religious heritage from which they had come to revert back to some of the beliefs and practices of pure Judaism without Christ. And that pressure uh, led to the, the need in the book of Hebrews uh, for the author to say under the inspiration of God's Spirit, listen, what you have in Christ is better than anything you had before. So do not allow the pressures of the world and do not allow the pressures of of the accepted religion of the day cause you to fail in your faith or in your faithfulness to the Lord. I believe that we are challenged in our day to live out our faith in faithfulness much like them. The circumstances of our day are are a lot the same. The passage of scripture that I'm reading today, Hebrews chapter 12 beginning in verse 1, is one of those uh, passages in this larger context of the book of Hebrews that brings that word of challenge and encouragement to us. So notice, if you will, and follow along in Hebrews chapter 12, 
Beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's bow for prayer before we look at these passages together. Father, we're so thankful today to be able to be here. But Lord, unless you meet with us and manifest your presence among us, Unless you teach us by your spirit, our personal efforts and our human endeavors will be in vain. And so, our Father, we ask that you will move upon us as we look in your word together, and you will speak to our hearts very clearly. Father, I pray that every one of us will go out of here today challenged but encouraged in our walk with the Lord. Father, the days are difficult, but we know that you who live within us you are greater than the world and the things that are in it. And so, our Father, today we're looking to you that you'll just inspire and encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Throughout Scripture, the Lord uses many illustrations to help us grasp spiritual truth, especially the practical spiritual truths of how to live out our faith once we have come to believe in and to live in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of those illustrations is in this passage where he uses the athletic world to identify certain aspects of what we have been called to do as children of God. In this passage, he uses the race as the analogy for the Christian life. And in the passage, he calls upon us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. The theme I want to use to help us unfold this passage today is that we have been challenged in very difficult times and difficult circumstances to run well and finish strong. I draw those terms from that word endurance, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Many of you know that uh, we spent almost 10 years in Alaska. And during the time that we were in Alaska, we were able many times to go to the beginning stage of the Iditarod. The Iditarod, if you happen not to know what that is, is that famous sled dog race that begins in Anchorage, Alaska, and ends in Nome, Alaska. Depending on the route, it follows uh, to get there each year, and it's different uh, year after year. 
somewhere between 900 and 1100 miles of some of the roughest, toughest terrain and some of the most formidable weather conditions that you can imagine. Those mushers start out realizing they have a race to run, they have an objective to finish the race, and they know that before the race is over, there are going to be days when they really would like to be home by the fire. There are going to be days when the rough, the rough terrain or the weather conditions will be such blowing in off the Norton Sound, for instance, that they would literally, in blizzard-like conditions and cold, blow the mushers and their teams right off the trail. And so adverse circumstances are expected along the way. And so they have to be prepared, if they're going to finish the race, to be committed to following through regardless of the circumstance, to run with endurance the race that is set before them. As they start that race, probably about 10% of those mushers hope they have a chance to win. In reality, probably 5% really have a good chance. Uh, but maybe 10% think maybe we have the dogs and the team this year, the, the stamina and all that we can win. The rest of the mushers want to place as high as they can. But the ultimate goal for those that even know that they are not nearly as strong as some of the others is that they want to finish the race. They don't want to be quitters. They want to run as well as they can and finish the race strong. They want to still be moving forward until they go through the, the, the burled arches. That's the finish line in Nome, Alaska. In fact, there's a trophy for the last musher to come through. It's called the Red Lantern Award. And uh, do you remember the days of the old trains when on the last car we called the caboose? <laughs> that there was one of the uh, staff members who was there, a conductor or whomever, and he had a red lantern, and he waved that red lantern as the last car went through. That way you knew that the train was finished. It's passed. It's gone through. Well, they've taken that concept, and they've developed a trophy for the last musher to make it to Nome. You see, the goal was not to get there before someone else, they weren't all competing against each other. They were running their race with a commitment to finish that race. Some of the fastest mushers get there in a little over a week. Some of the others may take two weeks or more, but they kept on keeping on until they ran that race to the end. And so our challenge in the Christian walk, they call that, by the way, the last great race. I want to submit to you that there is another more significant race than that. Most of us will never, uh, most of us will probably never even see the Iditarod in person. And likely none of us will ever run in the Iditarod. But all of us, children of God, have been assigned a post in the race, a, a position in the race of life. And that race is our calling, our assignment, our journey with the Lord 
from the time that we come to faith in Christ until the time that we finish our life here on earth. We have all a race to run. And so in this passage of scripture, he says to us once again, listen, I want you uh, in the, the latter part of verse one, let us run the race or run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each and every one of us given a race. A little bit later in the passage, he also says in the last part of verse three, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I find that because the race is challenging, the days are challenging, uh, that there are, there are times when people will stop running or in fact they will drop out before they ever get to the race and start the race. And so they had good intentions, but they never did really get off the starting block. They never did get out of the gate. And so they've just kind of drifted along through life, wishing they had been running more faithfully. And then there are others who, for various reasons all along the way, will drop out of the race. They call it scratching from the, from the race. And so those things happen along the way. And I want to say to us, it is you know, not uh, uh, going to be often perhaps, but it is inevitable that there will be times when if we do not have a strength beyond ourselves, that we will become weary and faint-hearted in the race. So this passage of Scripture is here to challenge us to run with endurance, run well, and finish strong. To overcome those times of weariness and those times of being faint-hearted. Those times when we would want to give in, give up. And to keep running until we have finished the race that is set before each one of us. Now when we talk about that race and running well and finishing strong, one of the things that we need to understand from the beginning is that you can't do it on your own. The passage is not asking, and I'm not here today to ask you to just buckle down. You know, we would say uh, for the, the guys here today, man up and do this thing. No, it takes something more than that. Some of the best of the mushers don't get to finish. Some of the, the, the strongest, some of the most well-intended people are not able to fully carry through and often because they tried to do it alone or do it themselves rather than depending on the resources that are available to them. So this passage of scripture is challenging those Christians who were living in persecution from without and pressure from within the religious community to turn back and not carry on. Those people are being offered here not just words of challenge, do it, run with endurance the race, and don't become weary and don't become faint-hearted and give up and, and drop out, but let me tell you how you can do that. Here in this passage, there are at least three words of help that the Lord has given to us as, as to them in that day as we seek to be able to run well 
and finish the race that's set before us. The first of these words of help is that we are to listen to the encouraging witnesses. Notice, if you will, the passage began by saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now imagine a large stadium. You're running the race. You're, in, you're on the field. You're on the track. And a stadium surrounding uh, that uh, track filled with people. The people in that stadium, though, are not there today as spectators. They are there because they were once on the field and they have run their race and they have finished their race and they are there to cheer you on. To say it can be done on your hardest day, uh, in your most difficult circumstance, when your faith and faithfulness is challenged to the nth degree, there are things you can do and things that will help you so that you can make it. You can keep on running. You can keep on in the race and you can still run well and ultimately finish strong in the race that has been set before you. They are there to testify. In the specific context of this passage, those people are identified in the 11th chapter. We call it the roll call of faith or the roll call of the faithful. And throughout that passage, the Lord lists a number of individuals and then groups of individuals who have been through it all. I mean, if you read the Old Testament history and the historical context in which these people are identified, they went through every kind of persecution and every kind of challenge and every kind of circumstance that would have undermined faith and discouraged faithfulness, but they stayed in faith, they kept trusting God, and through that faith in the Lord, they won. They finished the race that was given to them. Did they ever stumble? Yes, yeah, some of them did. Did they ever wonder? Did they, were there moments when their faith was weak? Yes. But the Lord continued to pull them back in and move them forward. And so they become the testifiers. The witnesses here are not witnesses who are looking. The witnesses here are witnesses who are speaking or cheering us on. They are there to testify that when we have faith, he is faithful and he helps us and he brings us through that time. Now, in our day, as in their day, there are lots of other voices out there. There are lots of other voices that tell you, oh, you're so foolish to have your faith in God. You are, uh, you're just showing your ignorance. Or you can't do it. Oh, that won't last. They're not going to make it. Oh, you know, they're running great today, but going to be a storm tomorrow. They won't keep on doing it. And over and over and over again, there are those anti-voices like the government of that day. And there are those undermining voices like the religious folks of that day to say, what you've got is not enough. What you've got won't carry you through. You're not going to make it. 
All kinds of negative voices out there that challenge us, that uh, do everything that they can to undermine. They're the mockers and the scoffers and the antichrist spirit and all of those things that we're challenged with. And nowadays, because of our ability to communicate with all kinds of means, those folks are able to make their voices louder and more prolific than ever. The challenge is there. There are loud negative voices. But this passage says, look up in the stands and remember as you study the scripture, all of those people who were faithful to God and how God brought them through and wrought miracles on their behalf in order to sustain them in their journey. That same God is still on the throne. We even have a greater advantage today. Not only do we have the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11, we have several generations now uh, of people, centuries actually, of, of individuals who have lived faithfully up until this day. And most of us have in our own life some spiritual heroes, some folks that we have seen walk through the fire and run through the storms. And keep on being faithful to the Lord and the joy of the Lord, their strength through it all. And we have those voices to add to those of Hebrews chapter 11. To hear, to listen to, and to, allow, uh, to encourage us to keep on doing it. And they are saying, listen, you can do it. You can do it. Don't give up. Don't give up. You can do it. You can do it. Don't give up. And regardless of the enemy, regardless of the giants, regardless of all of the difficulties and adverse circumstances, we need not give up. And the reason we need not give up is because our faith is not in our ability. Our faith is not in our strength. But our faith, like theirs, is in the God who created us, the God who recreated us in Christ, and the God who has called us into the race and who has promised that he will equip us and sustain us for every good work. Well, we could spend a lot of time there, but let's move on in the passage. When he says to us how we can do it, what we have to help us, there is the testimony, the witness of those who have gone before us. The second thing he gives us here is a word of instruction about how to really prepare to run. And that is not only listen to the encouraging witnesses, but lay aside the impeding cargo. What is it that's weighing you down and tripping you up? In this passage, he said it this way. He said for us there, uh, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, verse 1, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. In other words, he's saying if you're going to run with endurance the race that is set before you, you've got to unload some cargo that's giving you some trouble in your personal life. Now, the first thing he says is lay aside anything that's weighing you down. These things are not necessarily sinful or bad things in and of themselves. They are just extra weight. When those mushers 
leave on that Iditarod. They are required to have certain things in their dog sled when they leave, if they're checked at any point along the way, and when they cross the finish line in Nome. There are certain things required for the health and safety of themselves and their dogs that they must have in that sled. They are required to carry those things. In the Christian life, there are some things we must have. I mean, we can't sit idly like, like the servant who, who got just the one talent but was afraid and didn't do anything and ends up, uh, you know, giving account and losing even what he had. <clears throat> there are certain things they've got to carry. But those mushers know that every ounce of anything they put in that dog sled those dogs and they are going to have to drag or pull or carry those things over those mountains and through those ice fields and through those drifts and extra weight in there just because they want to. I can just imagine nowadays, especially some, well, man, you know what? I just got to have my, my laptop I've just, or my iPad. I've just got to have, you know, all, all my extra stuff, my electronic. I've got to have my music, so I've got to have that. And so after a while, they have loaded 20, 30 pounds of electronic gear. Or someone else says, oh, I've just got to have my books at night under the stars. I've got whatever it is. No, they have learned how to streamline the sleds and how to load the sled with only what is necessary. So there's nothing weighing them down so they can't run with endurance. In the Christian life, I find so many of God's children who are really well-intended. They are in the race. They want to run the race, but they have filled up their lives with so many extra things that have no eternal value to the point that it's weighing them down. And on many given days or weeks or months or years, they have little resources and little time and little energy to really serve the Lord and do the things that God has called them to do. Folks, when we do that, we got too much on our sled. And we need God to help us to sort out those things that encumber us, those things that weigh us down, those things that occupy us where we don't have the time and energy and resources to be faithful to what God has called us to do in life. If we're going to run the race with endurance, if we're going to run well and finish strong, we've got to unload the unnecessary weight, at least enough of it, so that we can give priority to the race that is set before us. The second part of the unload, though, he gets more specific. He said, not only lay aside the weight that clings so closely, or in some translations that so easily besets us, but here he's talk, he says, you've got to lay aside the sin, the sin that so easily or clings so closely. In other words, he's saying that in the life of some of these Hebrew Christians, and I believe in the life of a lot of God's children today, there are things going on in our mind, in our heart, and in our life that are not pleasing to God. I did a study recently in the book of Ephesians, and I, uh, I have a message that is entitled, In This Day, Lifestyle Matters to God. 
The first half of the book of Hebrews is all about saved by faith, uh, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, all of that. And my hallelujah, that's the basis for it all. But the second half of the book deals with how a Christian lives out their faith. And it says to us over and over again, and we don't have time to preach that sermon today, over and over again, there are lots of things that are not pleasing to God and that the child of God should put off the things of the old man and put on the things of the new man. And you can't live like you did when you didn't know Jesus. There are just lots of things. And I could spend some time naming some of those if you want to. I don't need to do that today because you probably... If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are going to teach you those things that are just not pleasing to God. Anything that is contrary to God's Word, to God's will, and God's ways ought not be a part of my life or yours. And so he says to them, listen, there are things going on here. Lay aside those sins that cling so closely. When an athlete got ready to run, they got rid of all the stuff that would hinder them or trip them up. And those long robes and other things, they needed to be put aside. And if you've got things in your life that keep on tripping you up, it's, all, you know, it's expected that everybody's going to stumble a little once in a while, probably. But we need to get up quickly and get back on the track. But if every day we're having to get up again over the same thing that keeps tripping us up, tripping us up, tripping us up, we need to unload that. We need to find a place before God to repent of sin. Call it what it is. And ask God not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us. To get that thing out of us. To get it off our sled so we're not having to deal with it the same way every day over and over again. And so if we're going to run well and finish strong, we are going to have to listen to the right voices and not the hecklers and the mockers and the negative voices. And we're going to have to be willing to lay aside the impeding cargo, the extra weight, and the harmful things that have become part of our thinking or our lives. But there's one more, and I'll, I'll move on quickly. Because this one probably is the most important one of all. And it brings us back to where we've been in our worship today and in uh, even introductory remarks in the sermon. We've got to lay aside and we've got to listen. But we've got to look at the victorious Lord. The simple way of putting this, almost the cliche-ish way in Christian circles is, we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. Notice what he said there as we continue to read. We've got the witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He doesn't stop there. Notice verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Here he is challenging us, he is calling us to keep our eyes on the Lord. The first one there is look, is to behold, hey, get, give me your attention. 
Your eyes are on too many other things. Look back to me. Look to me. And then the second one is consider. It's more of a study me. Make me your study. You want to find somebody to pattern your life after. And you want to understand how to really run the race. Look at the greatest example. Study him. To the point that you are able to replicate what's happening in uh, what happened in his life in your life. That we become more and more like him because he becomes the focus of our attention. You see, if we get our eyes on each other, it'll cause disappointment. Or it'll, it will, or it'll cause, because everybody fails once in a while and they let me down. Uh, we didn't need our eyes on them to begin with. Jesus won't let you down. If we get our eyes on others, it'll cause jealousy or envy. If we get our eyes on others, it'll cause complacency. I'm just as good as they are. It'll cause pride or self-glory. I'm better than others already. Whatever it is, if we get our eyes on other people. If we get our eyes on the world and begin to love the things of the world, we'll end up like Demas. And that's a whole other message. But he has departed from us, Paul said, having loved this present world. He was a missionary. But he got his eyes on the material things around him. And he wanted those things so much, he got his eyes off the Lord. And he left the service of the Lord. If we get our eyes on the giants in the land, we'll be like the children of Israel. When God said, I've given you the land. And they said, oh, we can't take the land. Because we're like grasshoppers beside the giants. The land is too big and the people are too big for us. If we get our eyes on the giants all the time, we're going to be discouraged and defeated if we get our eyes on our incapabilities we will forget the capabilities of the Lord about whom it is said with God nothing is impossible if we get our eyes on the enemy he'll scare us to death <laughs> but if we keep our eyes on Jesus we'll recognize that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world he will give us the victory so focus on him. Keep your eyes on him. And you won't be so discouraged and you won't be so distracted and you won't be so disillusioned and, and, and you won't find yourself constantly defeated because you're being pulled aside after other things. Something is going to be our God and no man can love, can serve two masters. We will either hate the one and love the other. You know, it's, it's going to capture our attention and our allegiance. Something is. And will it be the Lord? If we move it on, it says, consider him. That is, focus on who he is. Study him. Well, he is the author and the finisher of our faith, we've seen there. That is, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that started it all. He's the one who's completed. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. You can count on that. He is the one who is uh, the beginning of it all and whose end result is what we are looking forward. If you look through both of those passages there, it says that having uh, with his heart and mind set on the joy that is set before him, he endured the cross. We're to run with endurance. He endured the cross. A little later he says, you haven't yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Jesus did. Make him our example. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. In other words, Rather than allowing the shame that he was cast against him when they tried to embarrass him in every way they could, they tried to, to put him to public shame, all the things they did against him, the word despise there means he treated as if it were nothing. 
That's not important. Who cares what they think? Who cares what they're saying about us? We just stay focused on Jesus and who he's called us to be. To do what God has called us to do. He's despising the shame and has now completed his journey. The joy set before him. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's victory at the end. Paul challenges the Philippians. Run with endurance. That is, press toward the mark for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Make our goal pleasing him at the end of the journey. If we'll get our eyes on him and count it joy to join him in the work, even in the suffering, we will not become weary and lose heart. We will find strength for the race. We will be able to run well and finish strong. If we will listen to the right voices, the word of God and the testimony of the people of God, if we will lay aside the things that impede us in the race, and if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord consistently, we will be able to run well and finish strong. We'll be able to say, like the Apostle Paul did to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Therefore, in the future, there is laid up, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, but not to me only, to all those who love his appearing. If I might paraphrase that, to all those who keep their eyes on him looking for Jesus to return anytime and wanting to be really focused when that time comes. So let me say to us today, first of all, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's the starting point. If you don't know that, it's time to reckon that with that in your own heart and life. But if you know that, you have a race to run. Let's get in the race. Let's commit and prepare to run with endurance. Whatever it takes. What does God tell us we need to do in order to run well and finish strong? And let's determine before the Lord that when we stand before him one day, we will be able to say, I finished my race. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That should be our goal in life and through God it's possible let's pray Father I pray in Jesus name that you'll capture our hearts and minds today with the concept of the race that you've given us to run Lord I'm so thankful that our salvation is by grace through faith and I am very thankful that you have granted to us the privilege Lord of knowing you and having your help in in running the race, uh, fulfilling your will in our lives. And Lord, I just pray that every one of us here today will hear the challenge and just be excited about knowing for sure that we're doing what you put us here to do and doing it well. And Father, that we will hear your word for the instructions on how to maintain that until we cross the finish line. 
and see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.